It's five o'clock. It's Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. But Callum, I did not think we would be live. Speaking about Stephen Glass being sacked this weekend after Aberdeen limped out of the Scottish Cup yesterday, we are of course going to be talking about the dismal defeat at Fir Park. But Stephen Glass is gone. The ego of Dave Cormack did not last until the summer. What's your initial reaction to the news, Callum? Um, I was a bit surprised by it. Obviously, it was a bad result. Things haven't been going our way in the league. But I didn't still, I thought Dave Cormack was still going to stick by him, at least for a while yet. But I think it probably is the best decision, probably for all parties um, right now. I do feel sorry for Stephen Glass. I'd have loved for it to work, but just unfortunately, right now, it wasn't whether that's necessarily directly through his fault. I think there's still issues uh, coming from above him and also the playing staff as well. There's got to be some uh, responsibility too, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's his job, his job, sorry, to get them motivated, to give them the correct tactics uh, and get us results. And that's just not happened enough this season, unfortunately. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'm trying not to come across like I'm breathing too heavily or anything like that with uh, unfortunately suffering a little bit with the cold. So that's why my uh, mic t will tend to be on mute every now and again. But I do also agree with that. I do have a tinge of disappointment um, and a, a little bit of feeling sorry for, for Stephen Glass. Look, it, you know, we've, we've mentioned many times on this show, Callum, it was an experiment. It was, it was a process. Um, process, if you want to quote Dave Cormack, and it's it's just not worked out. Look, this the style of the style of football has tried to be improved. We've tried to be a bit more attacking, and I think that's going to be an interesting one when we look towards kind of the new manager. We want to kind of keep that sort of. It's certainly a philosophy the club are going down, um, so we don't want to be you know getting a manager that's going to start setting us up defensively. You know, he was he was the outstanding candidate, but the candidate hasn't worked. He's been fired and and let go. And look, Callum, you know, yesterday, you know, you found yourself on the back page of the, the Sun this morning. <laughs> um, it, it was toxic at full time. Mm -hmm. um, there was so, some unsavory scenes, obviously, with the players trudging back up past the the fans at, at full time. And I think that the way that that those scenes unfolded. At the end of the game, Cormac obviously being in attendance at the game, there was no way Stephen Glass was was going to be able to survive that. I'm just glad I didn't look really, really raging uh, <laughs> on on the back of the newspaper. But yeah, no, it wasn't pretty. I think um, a lot of people were just very angry given what we just watched, given you know they spent their time, money, traveling across the country, and it sort of seems to be happening week in, week out. So I can certainly understand. I had a lot of frustrations. I've calmed down since then, uh, but yeah, I was, I was, I was quite angry, and it's, I think, understandably so, um, for the, for the most part, really, because it, it really was just pathetic powder puff, really, and we've seen that a lot so far this season. Yeah, and you know, I think we kind of touched on it uh, in a, maybe two episodes ago when we said the the cup was really going to be the make or break not of the season but you know I was bold enough to say it was probably job defining for for Stephen Glass uh, a lot of people feeling that the season's over despite only being you know four points off fourth 
uh, with that that game in hand. But you know, there's a lot of comments coming in, Paul Cockwell, that the resident Hyvie is, you know, very much enjoying the, the fact that Stephen Glass is no no longer a manager. I'm surprised nobody has made a broken glass pun or um, glass broken in case of emergency. Um, the usual suspect puns that, that are maybe going to be banded around the, the, the dismissal of Stephen Glass. But looking at his record, it is the shortest, you know, um, period of a, a manager in, in certainly recent times, just the 41 games, 11 months, Callum. He didn't get the summer window as maybe some of us expected him to. 14 wins, 7 draws and 20 defeats, a win percentage of just 34%. There's your hard data that Dave Cormack loves. And I think that the real kind of glaring one, uh, a lot of comments coming in about the, the goals that we conceded, We've only scored 52 goals uh, under Stephen Glass, but it's the 56 that we've conceded, probably quite telling because the goals that we were conceding were this happening week in, week out. They were soft goals. They were easy goals. You know, from, from an Aberdeen point of view, even yesterday, both goals were just so predictably soft and, and bad mm-hmm. that... I, I couldn't even get angry at it. It was just, it didn't come as any surprise. It was sort of a bit like, here we go again, wasn't it? But it has been massive, massive concern, uh, the way we've been playing defensively. It's just been, every week There's we're shipping the softest of goals. And I remember a few weeks ago, you were talking about the statistics of that. It, we were limiting teams to a few shot on targets, shot shots mm-hmm. on target, but the percentage of them that were uh, finding the back of net were ludicrous. It was just so soft, giving up easy opportunities. And whilst I would still like the next manager, the next man up to entertain us with attacking football, they also need to be a little bit more competent in terms of the defensive side of the game. I think that's where we see um, Stephen Glass's inexperience perhaps being exploited. Yeah, and, and you know his his record at Atlanta wasn't great in terms of you know keeping clean sheets, and I think it was no real surprise that that run continued um, at its time at Aberdeen. I suppose we should, you know, it's maybe taken you know six and a half minutes to mention this, but please, Dave, let's not have anybody related to Atlanta lined up for the, the managerial job next. Uh, I know, and, and uh, you know, we'll take a look at the kind of bookies. Uh, shortlist if you want to come and maybe go through some of them. But, uh, uh, Neil Simpson and Barry Robson have been um, placed in, in interim charge for Tuesday's game against St Johnston. Would you be against having them in charge until the end of the season if it meant a, a, a proper recruitment process had taken place? Um, and, and we really do get the, the correct candidate for the job. We're not rushing the next appointment here. Um, I, if that was the case, I would probably be concerned that it took that long, if, if I'm honest, uh, to, to carry out a proper process and find the correct manager. If they were waiting for the perfect man or they had someone in mind, the perfect guy that was maybe only available at the end of the season, then, you know, fair enough. Maybe if they're in a job now and wanted to carry that out until the end of the season, then I would probably, you know, be okay with that kind of thing. But as long as we know if that's going to be the case, that that's what's happening, rather than being left in the lurch and going weeks and weeks and weeks 
up on end with these rumours flying around and not knowing who's going to be in charge. But mm-hmm. um, having said that, having looked at some of the bookies' favourites right now, um, not very happy with those on that list so far. Yeah, and I suppose, uh, as can be bothered, a usual commenter um, during our lives, he he mentions it'll be Jack Ross, one of the cheap options. Um, You know, maybe a a few people also making the connection yesterday at full time with the fact that Craig Sampson, a member of his backroom staff um, at both Hibs and Sunderland uh, as goalkeeper coach, um, already finds himself involved at Aberdeen. Uh, maybe people putting two and two together and making five, or uh, as Graham Hunter quite uh, easily did before Stephen Glass was uh, appointed, maybe putting two and two together and, and actually getting four. Um, mm. who, who knows? Uh, but Jack Ross for me is a, a very uninspiring uh, choice and maybe just a, a McInnes mark two, uh, certainly in my opinion. I would probably tend to agree with that. I've no doubt that he could probably in the short term, maybe, you know, get us up the table but it's just not really exciting given the way we've seen Hibs play we've had Michael on the show uh, quite a lot and he was you know maybe not his number one fan either and but to be fair I hadn't put the Craig Samson thing uh, I hadn't put those two together I think that was well for for various reasons yesterday however I would not have been against them actually playing um, in goals but I'm sure we'll come on to that yeah, I'll come on to that in, a bit in the second half of the show. But get Cormac in the dugout, Chris. I wouldn't put it past Dave Cormac to get himself somehow involved. It's getting a bit comical uh, at times. But Callum, if we look at the, the the short list, Jack Ross is currently the favourite for the, the job. We've kind of touched on that with, with Craig Sampson. And I think his style... You know, maybe Paul in the comments might might have a, an opinion on that, uh, but I don't think his style of play would kind of align with what Aberdeen are going for in terms of having that attacking mm-hmm. philosophy, looking to be on the front foot more more often than not. Jim Goodwin coming in at second favourite. Some people that are maybe against Jim Goodwin, maybe just you know, maybe because it's not out with the box or maybe not proven himself enough, but. I don't know. I don't think I would be against Jim Goodwin as next manager. Of the sort of top four or five, you know, favourites for the job, I think he would certainly be my number one choice out of those. Um, I quite like what he's doing with St Mirren. We've seen them cause problems with us, and that's obviously on a far lesser budget uh, than we're on. I think they're still in the cup, um, pushing for top six as well. Um, obviously, we are no longer in the cup. Um, I would not be against him doing. I think I am quite impressed by him. Obviously, it's very early in his managerial career too, but I feel like he is ambitious. Um, he's recruited quite well, I suppose, during his time uh, at St Mirren. I I wouldn't be totally against it, uh, as I'll continue to haver on whilst you cough. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you very much. And it, it's great. There's so many of you um, commenting your opinions. We, we will get to them. Um, as soon as we can. Barry Robson in there uh, as third favourite, five to one. Uh, these odds being provided by McBookie. <laughs> Obviously, he's been given the job on an interim basis with, with Neil Simpson. Barry Robson doing a brilliant job. I think it's under 18s he coaches currently for Aberdeen. Um, be interesting to see. You know, we saw Connor Barron get a brief spell in the game yesterday and I thought looked looked very good. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe question marks why he wasn't brought on sooner when we were chasing the game. 
it'll be interesting to see what sort of game time Connor Barron gets under these uh, both Simpson and, and Robson. But is he ready for that that step up? Are Aberdeen ready for another inexperienced manager at this level uh, after the experiment of Stephen Glass hasn't worked out? Um, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced by it by that one. I think I'm happy to see how he does, and if he, certainly if he impresses um, in his time in interim charge with Neil Simpson, then I'm sure he will have every every right then to you know go for the job himself. Um, right now, I still I still need a little bit of convincing on that one though. Yeah. Uh, next on the list are both Scott Brown and Neil Lennon. I don't think we need to delve too much into them. Nope and nope. Gordon Strachan, again for me, he was technical director at Dundee. Nope. Uh, Paul Lambert, I think he's still out of work down south. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'd probably command too much of a wage and probably would look to stay down south, similar to what Alex Neil. Um, in terms of his interest, is probably more favourable down south. Jack Collison, as I said, anybody linked to Atlanta? No, thank you. Kjetkel Knutson, the current Bodo Glimp manager. Um, that's a very tricky one to, to pronounce. Now, we we saw Hibbs recently sign a couple of players from, from there. That's certainly a, a manager that, Maybe we'll raise a few eyebrows or maybe make a mm-hmm. few fans sit up and take notice. Obviously, they what for what they did against Roma in, in the group stages. I think it's Celtic they face in the knockout stages. So certainly one that will be people might have a keen eye on next week. So I think it is this week that the European um games return. So mm-hmm. interesting to see what he does. Would you be against seeing Aberdeen pu- push the boat out and go for a foreign manager, Cal? I would I wouldn't be against it. No, I think then automatically sometimes my uh, excitement levels will then just naturally increase based off absolutely nothing. So I'm not going to be yeah. not going to claim that I uh, am very clued up on Norwegian football. I do know obviously Bodo Glimt are you know performing quite well in Europe. Have done so um, sold on players uh, for profit as well, having developed them. But other than that. I know very little about about mm-hmm. the man, how he plays, his style, etc. But it is, you know, it's something different. And um, obviously, I think if that does happen, we might have to conduct a little bit more research uh, <laughs> into things. But in in terms of just players outside the box, slightly, I'm not against that at all. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have a clue <clears throat> about Mister Nutson. Good yeah, name, I like how you, I like how you say we, uh, trying to indicate that you do a lot of research for this show. <laughs> I do loads, mate. I do loads. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, how, about, how, about, how about we swap it? I'll let you edit a video one then, yeah? And then I'll yeah. do the research. I'll see how yeah. that goes. I'll, let, I'll edit the, the Josh Walker video um, coming out tomorrow because I know there's a lot of you uh, mm. tuning into this episode. I know there's a lot of you that have subscribed um, to the YouTube channel. Um we knew that we were in for something good when the fact that we had, you know, six new subscribers over the last two days. There's obviously a lot of people expecting a meltdown on the back of the the result yesterday. Now, one manager that has been uh, on this shortlist uh, provided by McBookie was someone that was maybe touted with with Hibbs from his connections to Hibbs and also Dundee with James McPake being under pressure is Kevin Thompson the current Kelty Hearts manager again that's someone would be taking quite a big step up and I suppose another manager he's not on the short list but given his connections to Aberdeen 
currently works for a club in Aberdeen and also has connections to the club, Paul Hartley. What's your thoughts on either of them? I'd rather Kevin Thompson than Paul Hartley, put it that <laughs> way. Um, so, I, Paul Hartley did, you know, I think he did quite well uh, at Aloha. Things didn't quite, however, work out the way he would have liked at Dundee. And at, at Cove, obviously, he's doing very, very well with them, has to be said. But mm-hmm. also, if you then compare their budget with perhaps some of the other teams in the league, you'd certainly expect that. Yeah. So, not for me, Paul Hartley, unfortunately. Kelly Hart's manager, uh, Kevin Thompson. We obviously saw Tam Courts. I think he was manager of Kelly mm-hmm. Hart's before Dundee United. He's done fairly well, obviously a little bit inconsistent lately, but certainly had them performing very, very well. But also not for me. Um, I don't think I think it is a, that would be a big gamble, a big step up for him. Maybe a bit too early. I've no, no doubt that he probably will go on to mm-hmm. bigger and better things. I think he has maybe been... You know, and maybe maybe Langle himself for that Rangers job one day as well, yeah. uh, with his links. But not for me, not for me. It would be outside mm-hmm. the box, though. I'll, I'll give say that much. Yeah, I mean, I've listened to him on Open Goal a couple of times, and he does speak quite knowledgeably um, about, about football. But again, given the kind of inexperience at the the top level, you you, you look at um, Stephen Glass, you probably want a manager that's probably tested themselves at at this level or, or, or certainly a top level coming into this job, I think, especially if we're looking to appoint a manager, you know, in the coming weeks or before the end of the season, because it's it's not to say that we're in a relegation battle yet, but maybe when we're speaking after Tuesday's night, uh, Tuesday night's game, it could become a different story. And the, the last person on the, the, the shortlist that the, the McBookie tweeted out, uh, former Celtic manager, Current MLS Championship winning manager, Ronnie Dyla. Weirdly, that is the one on the list that I would be probably most happy with. <laughs> Hear me out. He wins things wherever he goes. Okay, his Celtic side at times a little bit shaky, but I've seen a lot of Celtic fans say that you know he wasn't given the, the time um, for him to carry out exactly how things have gone, and it's sort of Set set the precedent going on though for mm-hmm. how they did. Um, I think he'd be entertaining. Mm. I, I I imagine you know we've just you know gone to Ibrox and got a result and he's doing the Ron Aero. <laughs> That'd be quite funny. Do the roar. <laughs> oh God! There's a strike reference. If nobody gets that, yeah. be disappointed. <laughs> I hope I hope somebody clips that up. Um, and you know maybe yeah, it comes back to Scotland with a point to prove mm. as well. I would not be totally against Ronnie Dyla. And I, I don't know if you expected me to say that, Gwen. I was actually more surprised by how many Aberdeen fans were maybe open to that idea, um, to be honest. Although if, if he does go on to win something, um, I hope he doesn't do what he did when he um, won the, the MLS with, with New York and pretty much get naked on the pitch because well, I don't think anyone needs to see that. I don't think anyone needs to see it, but given our uh, recent... Scottish Cup history, for example, it probably would be justified. <laughs> now, obviously, as I said, we're doing this live um, on our YouTube channel and the video is also streaming on our Twitter page at RTG underscore podcast. It's great to have so many of you with us and interacting in the comments. So, Calm, let's have a look at what people have been banding about in terms of names. Now, when Stephen Glass was... Um, being appointed there was a lot of talk from Aberdeen fans around 
Darren Fletcher. Now, his former Man United teammate, uh, Michael Carrick, is currently out a job now. I think it was you that was quite eagle-eyed and tweeted it out a few weeks ago, and it has been tweeted before that he used to have um, posters of is it Ian Jesse had on his wall. I think it was. Uh, and, Ian Evan, Jesse, yeah. and Evan Dickerson suggests, what about Michael Carrick? But I think I saw someone uh, also mention Darren Fletcher. I think when you're looking at both Carrick and Fletcher, you probably go back to, to Stephen Glass. Is it risky going for another inexperienced manager so soon after just hiring one? There would be obviously be an element of risk with that. I think I, what is Dan Fletcher, I think technical director of Manchester mm-hmm. United right now. I don't know if that is something um, he would leave probably on a very handsome paycheck as well. It's a pretty good opportunity for him. Michael Carrick, though, I believe he did leave the club uh, following his sort of interim spell after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mm-hmm. left. Evan's totally right. He needs to progress in his managerial career. I wouldn't be so against it, oh, mainly for the yes, the Ian Jess thing. I mean, it would be fantastic, um, just for just for that alone. But hmm. he did okay in his short spell at Manchester United. He probably has a lot of contacts as well. There's definitely worse names out there. Certainly, yeah. a lot of those names on the McBookie list, anyway. Yeah, um, Alex McLeish um, be, being mentioned here. Um, I actually don't know if he would return to club management. Obviously, his second spell in terms of, of Scotland didn't go as well as his first. And I probably have a feeling he's enjoying his time out of the game and probably won't find himself in a hurry. But um, probably wouldn't be surprising to see McLeish along with many others you know, from that Gothenburg kind of era being touted uh, along the jobs. Um, Paul Ricci, another regular commenter over on YouTube, uh, saying Roy Keane is free and, and looking for a job, obviously, recently interviewing for the, the Sunderland job before declining to take it. Um, I mean, that would certainly be interesting. Um, him or Paolo Di Canio, those would be two wild shouts that would certainly get the, the players fired up. Well, Michael Scott's literally just caught it right now. Di Canio. Um, entertaining for probably most followers of the cinch. However, mm. not sure it would end in success for Aberdeen, despite the fact uh, watching them alone in the dugout would mm. probably be pretty good in the post-match and pre-match pressers would be very, very um, enjoyable. Yeah, and I suppose the, the comment Lee Seymour makes just kind of on the back of some of the, the early comments we, we, we've had is, I think the new guy needs to come in and galvanise the support. And I think that's actually quite a, quite an interesting point because, you know, you, you made the point there and I, I've seen it kind of repeated uh, a, a few times that list that we've just gone through from McBookie, people are calling it uninspiring. And you know, when we've spoken about Jack Ross, maybe Jim Goodwin, people also referring to that as uninspiring when there is such a maybe apathy and delusion spreading through the Aberdeen support just now. Is it vital that we get a manager that's going to be able to regalvanize that support? I think so. In some sort of sense, I think we did kind of see that. Um, with Stephen Glass at points, despite mm. them not giving us too much reason recently uh, for that to be the case. But I would certainly agree they need to, it needs to be something that the fans buy into. Because I think with Stephen Glass, although obviously everyone presumably wanted it to go well, um, obviously I don't speak for everyone, but I think there was a lot of scepticism uh, about it when he came in, given 
sort of just sort of the way it came about and also his uh, lack of experience. Someone that fans will get behind, um, create that sort of link between the fans and the players, and then obviously the management staff too, mm. would be very, very important. As there's still a lot of various names coming in, and uh, yeah. someone who I think would galvanise the sport is Neil Warnock. So I, I agree, yes, that, that That is the name I, I was coming to. But it, it's an interesting point you just made there because I was chatting to somebody in the second half, Scott Macklin, um, Dil Magaki. I know you're going to be listening and you're really disappointed if I don't give you a shout-out um, in this episode because you wouldn't leave me alone yesterday in saying that you needed a shout-out on the next episode. So so there you go. You leave him alone. And, and, and Scott Macklin was actually saying that you know, the sound bites that Cormac puts out and Glass at times put out as well. Football fans are so fickle. We're quite easy to jump on the bandwagon yeah. of those comments and be like, yeah, brilliant, buying into it straight away. So it's, it is an, it's a point on that manager that if we can, and it'll probably be the same at any manager that comes in, they'll want to give this, the sound bites that the support are going to, you know, jump on and, and get behind. So it will be an interesting and it's probably going to be a key decision because, you know, Cormac, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of questions on him over the appointment of Stephen Glass and the fact that it's not worked out. So there's almost a lot of pressure on Dave Cormac now to go and get this right. And there's probably a lot of question marks uh, and a lot, maybe a lack of trust from some elements of the support mm-hmm. that maybe the, the Cormac can't get this right. I think there's a hell of a lot of pressure um, on on Dave Cormack. You know, he went and got Stephen Glass, said he was the outstanding candidate, and I thought he would, you know, stand by him forever and ever because that's mm-hmm. his man. Uh, well, that was his man. Whereas now that's not worked. It's come to an end. He needs to go out and make sure that this next one works to a degree. I'm not saying they need to go and take us to the Champions League or whatever, but it needs yeah. to be... Certainly a massive, massive improvement. Um, however, I I said this yesterday. I don't know if I do trust Cormac to go and and be be that man to to find him, given the way um, Stephen Glass then kind of went. But quite happy to be proved wrong, and I very much hope I am. Yeah, and I I suppose other question then would be not only do we trust Dave Cormac to get the right man, but with Stephen Gunn being director of football, does a new manager coming in, place question marks on Stephen Gunn's, you know, place in Aberdeen. Obviously, Alan Russell, Henry Apple, who have both left the club um, along with Stephen. But would a new manager, some of these names that we've we've discussed already, would they be willing to work under a direct of foot, director of football, let alone working under Stephen Gunn? You know, it's fair to say a relatively, if not very, inexperienced person for that role, would or should the club now be looking for a more experienced director of football as well? Again, if that is the philosophy that the club will continue to look at. I think that's a very fair question. Obviously, Stephen Gunn, um, you know, he's worked his way up to that level. I commend him for that. Um, And obviously, we don't know the in and outs of the sort of transfer business, etc. But presumably, he is directly responsible for a lot of that. And I think in January, not a lot was done, not enough, sorry, was done to help um, Stephen Glass. Obviously, we did sign Vicente Bersowin, who looks to be, you know, 
pretty good. He's got a lot of room to develop and probably does mm. need to. Um, who knows what Dante Povara will be like, but losing Hedges, uh, McGinn as well, and right now being left with basically Christian Ramirez, our striker, that we really, did, I don't think we did enough in January. Whether, you know, Stephen Gunn will maybe learn from that. Mm. Um, is another question whether you'll get another chance to learn from that. I, I, I don't know, because the new manager coming in will obviously have to either be happy to work with Stephen Gunn, um, or they'll have to weigh up it's either the ma- might be the manager or keep Stephen Gunn in place, and then we might end up with you know someone who's just happy to work with Stephen Gunn, but it might not go as well. See what's just happened, basically. Yeah, and and I suppose the January transfer window it is why in a way I kind of feel sorry for Stephen Glass because it, you know he obviously what didn't get the backing that he was maybe expecting or or hoping for. It should be said, but. The way we came out and played against Rangers, I just can't believe in that space of time we are where we are now. There was no signs during that Rangers game that I thought we would go on the the run that we went on and find ourselves in the position we are now. But (laughs) I suppose that's football. And to go back to kind of looking at some of the other names that are, are being banded about, um, Graham Duthie, uh, good to see you tuning in, a uh, resident Hearts fan. Uh, Ian Cathro might be available. Um, well, since you're a Hearts fan, I know you like uh, you know, comments about Dundee and emails. Maybe if his email with his CV uh, finds its way into Cormac's inbox, it's swiftly deleted. Uh, another name that, that was banded about pre-Stephen Glass was Chris Coleman. Um, certainly someone that I quite like the, the sound of. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, maybe would require a, a, certainly a big wage and and a, and a bit of work to get, but a, a name that you know maybe comes with a bit of intrigue. I think so. Do you like the sound of him just because of his nice Welsh accent, though? Uh, well, I, was, I thought you were going to say his his wife, but uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, grip. Yeah, I, no. Um, on, on, just, oh, I do agree, though. I, I would like. Stephen, uh, Stephen Coleman, what's going on? Chris <laughs> Coleman, um, I think he did very, very well. He did very, very well with Wales. Uh, obviously, things didn't pan out very well and at Sunderland, but right now, it doesn't seem to be panning out very well for anyone at mm-hmm. Sunderland. So, it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, with Alex Neil, who is also probably someone I would have you know, been quite happy with um, I would have taken. But Chris Coleman, given you know, the experience he has, uh, at a top level as well, you know, with Wales at the Euros, would take probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's be honest, that Wales side wasn't exactly world class, but mm-hmm. they were getting some pretty class results. Yeah. Neil Warnock, I know he's been mentioned a lot of times um, in, in the comments, but another person here, Lewis, 24 AFC. Uh, Lewis, I know you're going well in our fantasy league. Um, tight at the top between uh, you, Callum and Brune seems to be a three-way runaway battle for that top spot but Neil Warnock also claiming the past year of love to give Scottish football a go and it'll be interesting to see if he wants to throw his name into the hat again he would certainly not be afraid to speak up about refereeing decisions that's for sure No and um, especially if things aren't if he's not getting the support from above him that he would like uh, it would certainly be entertaining but once again I don't know if it would be for the right reasons. Uh, for I mean, no doubt he's a good manager, but in terms of the long term, he's very much uh, getting on a bit. 
So I'm 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 not too sure, but it would be funny. I'll say that much. Yeah, and I I like this one from from Graham Duffy again, saying um, David Robertson, who's obviously currently out in India. Um, maybe another one, dark horse sort of suggestion. Obviously, links to the club. I know maybe uh, a lot of bad feeling towards David Robertson, of course, for the way he left the club for Rangers. But again, one of those maybe left field sort of shouts that again will probably get linked because of his connections to the club. Yeah, maybe at some point, but uh, I, I can't say I know much about um, the standard uh, over there or how that experience um, that he's built up would stand him in any good stead or not. Yeah, uh, and this is an interesting comment from, from Peter Murphy. I don't know if we've kind of covered this, but mm. do you think Cormac will continue with the idea of this emerging manager or go for a more established, experienced type? I think we've kind of probably touched on it in terms of our own personal feelings uh, to, towards a situation, but you never know what's going on inside that head of um, Mr. Cormac. But what, what, what do you think? His view, because he's obviously made his feelings quite clear um, in terms of the philosophy of, of the club. You know, having this uh, ethos of developing young players and and playing a nice style of a, attacking mm. football. Do you think he will gamble again and go for another emerging manager? I think there is room for sort of a balance between between them both. And um, someone who does sort of play with that style, I would rather. I'd rather we stuck with that rather than we maybe went back to this boring 1-0 where we come away, even having one. They just called that was terrible. Um, but there, there is bound to be, you know, emerging managers with slightly more uh, experience too, whether it's maybe not at this level. Um, mm. But I suppose then you are looking for guys like, uh, guys like sort of Kevin Thompson and the names mentioned. Mm. I personally would prefer someone slightly with a little bit more experience than, Atlanta United too, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I suppose you need to just take a look at Sean Maloney, another person, but again, pre-Stephen Glass, that we were all kind of excited when his name was getting banded about purely because he'd been working for Belgium. And look how that's turning out for Hibs, albeit they managed to progress in, in the cup, um, surviving a, a small scare against our bro today. But we do have the potential to get our fingers burnt by trying another as as peter says emerging manager and i think given the kind of precarious situation on our league standings just now and probably the fact now that we are out of the scottish cup the the importance of finishing fourth now is, is certainly huge in terms of getting european football and also the finances that come with that for the club it is going to be a risk if we go down the emerging manager route. So I do think we will probably kind of steer towards the the more established experience side. And I think I, you know, I do agree with you, Calm. I'd probably have a bit more confidence, um, you know, in someone that does have that experience. I like this co comment here from Colin Miller. Uh, obviously, as I said, Super Bowl Sunday, continuing the NFL theme by saying, Aberdeen to continue the American dream and appoint Tom Brady a proven winner. Um, please don't put those sort of ideas into Dave Cormack's head. And, mm. you know, if Dave's listening, um, Dave, that's obviously, um, we are just having a laugh about that. 
Um, I, I, I suppose... never thought you'd have to clarify that. Never <laughs> once when we started that, I thought you'd have to clarify that you were taking the piss about Tom Brady being the next Aberdeen manager. Jesus. Well, you never know. You really never know. Um, I suppose, actually, this one from Lee Seymour is probably surprising that his name has not actually popped up on the shortlist yet, as it tends to always do when the Aberdeen manager job comes around. Is Alex Ferguson's son, Darren, um, I'm not, I don't think he is still in charge of Peterborough just now. Um, but um, used, he had quite successful spells at Peterborough in the past. And obviously with Alex coming up in a couple of weeks for the unveiling of the statue, I'm sure it's a name that will be banded about or probably Alex Ferguson will have to, to field question questions around the managerial appointment if there's not one made between now and then. He is still manager of Peterborough, I've just checked. Um, it seems as if he's up. if he's even been there forever. Uh, I I feel like yeah. um, it would certainly be uh, an interesting one, obviously, given the clearly obvious connection uh, they have. No guarantee that it would actually work, though. And I don't think we should, you know, based on next appointment off sort of that nostalgic nostalgic feeling. As much as I would probably still get behind it, even a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And still just looking through some of the, the comments, Mike Smith here saying Nuno Espirito Santo. Again, I think that's another one wow. that we might have to, to push the push the, the boat out on. Um, it, Billy Davis, another one he mentions. Um, again, another name that has been linked many times with the club. Uh, not for me. Uh, and Colin Miller, this is maybe a point I won't need to clarify too much, Callum, for you, but... Um, can't, you know, can't seeing another big name agreeing unless the terms change regarding player recruit, recruitment. I think that's, again, another fair point because there, there was that comment made around Stephen Glass about, you know, him not like necessarily was being sort of a yes man on the, the transfers. Um, so, again, that'll probably be an interesting one. Will the new manager kind of buy into this ethos of developing younger players? Yeah, I mean, it'll certainly be an interesting one, especially given some of the names um, that we've talked about. I certainly can't see them uh, agreeing to that. And I think a lot of managers do like to have at least an element of control. Obviously, there would still be head of recruitment and those kind of things, a good scouting network, hopefully. Uh, and it's fine to bring in players to develop them, but they also have to you know, be worth us bringing in and for that time and effort that we put in. Um, so that's something they do have to consider. Yeah, and another good, interesting point here from Can't Be Bothered. Calm, do you think the lack of recruitment in January might have been due to the fact that Cormac already decided Stephen Glass wasn't the man for the job after all? I think it was possibly a factor. You would probably think that is somewhere in his mind, but at the same time, then either if you're already thinking that, then either back him and try and improve it, Mm-hmm. Or give them the bullet and give someone else an opportunity to come in and you know bring in their players with however limited time they have. It's, and then it's sort of the, the lack of decision making on that front has now ended us in the position where we are. Whereas mm-hmm. we've just we've just missed the transfer window and we're going to be without a manager sitting ninth and out of the Scottish Cup. So. <clears throat> yeah, and that's why I'm wondering if you know we might end up with Simpson and Robson till the end of the season because. You know these guys have obviously you know worked with the players probably in some capacity throughout the season already. Know what they've got, also know what they've got coming through 
the youth academy as well. Uh, and like I said, you know, to, to look at Connor Barron yesterday, probably the, the one player on that pitch outside of Christian Ramirez that actually put a, a, a creditable amount of effort in, um, you mm. know, during his, his spell uh, on the pitch. And of course we are, you know, we are live for an hour here on, on YouTube this Sunday evening reacting to the news of Stephen Glass's sacking from Aberdeen. It's great to have so many of you with us live. If you are new to the channel, um, please leave a like, hit that subscribe button. And of course, we are enjoying all the interactions that are coming in. And and Callum, there have been a few comments. Um, why are you not applying for the job? Plenty of football manager experience there. Plenty of football manager experience. Um, if you if you do watch the save, uh, the current going with Leicester, not going so well. So as good a reason as any. But you know, feel free to check out the channel. Um, but well, after this, um, I will have some Aberdeen content coming for you as well. So mm. make sure you subscribe there too. Yeah, well, maybe you could uh, dust off your CV. There's definitely been people that have applied based on football manager experience mm. before. Uh, there's one of the, the the few Stephen Glass puns wondering if he'll be a window cleaner next. Yeah, very good, Graham. Um, and I think the problems, Colin Miller saying, I think the problems go further than Glass and the mm. coaching team. If we had a more experienced director of football, and again, this has been raised around Stephen Gunn, would that have helped? But again, it's top to bottom. And again, probably goes around the, the question marks of are was Stephen Gunn, was Stephen Glass yes men for Dave Cormack uh, and I do think this will have a bearing on a new manager coming in will mm -hmm. will they or how easily will they be able to work with the likes of Stephen Gunn and Dave Cormack um, especially when Dave Cormack's quite happy to take to his own personal Twitter account um, as he did once again on Friday, um, pre-match, he's, you know, he's not shy of being transparent, as he likes to say. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see how much that has an effect on a new manager. I think so. From uh, my experience uh, following Newcastle as well, but we'll draw from that. You got managed to bring in a quality manager in Rafa Benitez, and he was working for. My, under Mike Ashley uh, and his cronies and then eventually it became too much for him and he, and he left. So if we are going to bring in a high quality manager uh, for us that is sort of experienced, is proven, has a proven track record and could potentially take us on to that next level, that is something that the club will then have to consider uh, in terms of how much power they get, what authority they have in terms of recruitment and uh, Who's working above him? Who's making the decisions above him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens over the next few weeks. At least it's provided us with some guaranteed content for the upcoming shows, um, speaking about managerial ins and outs and um, who will be coming um, from there. Uh, will we go down the Dutch route? Yap Stam's been sacked from Cincinnati, says Flower of Scotland. And someone else that, that you know, kind of uh, uh, with family in Holland was Jan Dal Thomason, um, the, the former Malmo manager, leaving them. Uh, previous uh, experience of winding up Rangers, I'm sure he would go down well if he fancied leaving his family to, to hop on a flight for an hour to come over to, to Aberdeen. But <clears throat> Calm will we'll bench the, the managerial chat for for mm -hmm. the time being um of course the the news of Stephen Glass's sacking follows 
yet another poor cup exit this season. Another 2-1 away defeat in the cup, this time at Motherwell. Uh, and it all started so well, maybe unexpectedly, um, mm. with Christian Ramirez nodding the dons in front after just three minutes. A player who at kickoff had the expression of, I cannot be fucked playing in these conditions for 90 minutes. And um, when you saw his face charging down on Liam Kelly, uh, charging down on Liam Kelly. But three minutes into that tie, I thought this is going much better than expected. Yeah, uh, it sort of peaked there, didn't it? We could have we could have just left and not not known any better. Um, but those condi- weather conditions sort of—I know it was sort of drizzling, etc. Earlier on, but it seems just someone turned it from like sort of two up to ten as soon yeah. as kickoff uh, happened there. But it was the perfect start. It got all our hopes up, um, and we did end up being let down. I did enjoy the celebrations though, and it just goes to show once again how important Christian Ramirez. Uh, has been to to us this season. Imagine if he actually had any sort of decent service, what he could do. Yeah, um, I say, on the point you said it peaked after three minutes, it could have been a lot worse given Motherwell actually had a goal disallowed in the opening 90 seconds. It could have been an absolute disaster straight from the the off. Uh, Not that I've actually watched it back to see if it was uh, on or off, but uh, I know certainly Graham Alexander in his post-match comments, thought that he was on side. Um, but yeah, it you know, does again once, as you say, raise question marks on where we would be without Christian Ramirez. Uh, I did feel sorry for him yesterday. You know, he looked very much inconsolable at, at full mm-hmm. time. <laughs> the fact that Twitter was very much people taking to Twitter to, you know, let him know that the, the anger was in, in no way aimed at mm-hmm. him at full time. It's almost like the city of Aberdeen have taken them under their arms and trying to console him over that heartbreak. But he had that chance to put his 2-0 up mm. uh, not long after with a lob that I don't know if the wind, you know, blew the ball off course or not, but it was, you know, unlucky as it just bounced past the post. But after that, Callum, we did absolutely nothing mm-hmm. in the game. And there was only one team for the rest of that half anyway that looked like scoring. Certainly, and it, oh, in case you haven't guessed, it was Motherwell. Um, <laughs> they they were they see they certainly seemed up for it. They had obviously a good backing uh, as well, vocally. But they knew what they wanted to get out of that game. They were well up for it. At times we were so sloppy, so slow in the build-up, just going side to side, and then you had Scott Brown taking the ball in one side, turning the other way, looking there, nope, turning back before putting it back out. It was just so laboured, and we've just seen it so many times this season. And yeah, we got past. Yeah, we did, and it, I think Calm's internet has, you know, jacked in. So I'm hoping Finished. this is the joys of doing a live. Are you back? We're back. We're back. Yes, you've you froze on the big stage. Joys of doing a live, but you know, I think you're going to say we got pumped on the back of the the you know, what Motherwell were doing in, in that first half. And, well, one of the, the most shocking players in that first half, and can you cancel a loan between now and the end of the season? Because can we send Adam? I, I thought Matty Longstaff was going to take the award for the worst, you know, loan signing of the season, but Adam Montgomery is going to do very well to run him close. 
because that was a disgraceful performance from the unknown Celtic man yesterday. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? Um, a lot of time, to be fair, no one else really that much better. Um, and I will also say this, that my view was somewhat um, obstructed begin to begin with um, because we were in the second row. So we were looking through the back of the net, um, which was a bit of a nightmare. But um, no, what wasn't Adam Montgomery's finest performance. Um, hopefully he can you know, improved you know, in the season, but he keeps his place in the team at all. Um, mm. Based off that, though, I'd be quite surprised. Yeah, given the, the first goal, <laughs> I remember the, the, the kids behind me calling Johnny Hayes a legend when he wildly lunged in uh, on that left-hand side, picking up a very needless booking uh, at the mm. time, I felt. And it was Adam Montgomery's shirked clearance that led to the, the opening goal. Um, and there's a video, um, I can't remember whose who's account put it out last night, so I do apologise if you are watching. Um, and not only was it a terrible clearance from Montgomery, but Scott Brown not once but twice bottles a challenge. Um, I think we need to discuss him and the lack of influence mm -hmm. he has on these so-called big games. But then Johnny Hayes, who obviously found himself on a booking, had to then bottle a challenge on Van Veen on the edge of the box whether or not if there was contact, it would have been on the line and maybe been a penalty. I think that may have also led to him bottling that challenge. But it allows Van Veen to cut inside enough to get a shot away. And at the time, I just thought, you know, found its way into the, the, the back of the net quite easily, but it appears to take a deflection off Declan mm. Gallagher. But yeah, left left Gary Woods with, with no chance a, a, as a result. And once again, we make Van Veen look world-class every time he comes up against us. He is getting the Curtis main treatment, isn't he? Um, and also against us, he seems to turn into like this, like prime bully uh, centre forward up there that you would have seen sort of like in the early two thousands as well. Mm -hmm. He just causes all sorts of problems for our defenders who just don't seem up for it whatsoever. And you know, at times he um, he's been described as a thug from John Smith, mm -hmm. which I think is probably fair to say, but. For the most part, within the laws of the game, he's just usually strength, being a bully and making things happen for Motherwell. And God, I hate him so much. Um, would you sign him just so you can't score against us, Curtis Main? <laughs> I actually said on the on the drive back up the road, we he's almost the sort of player we actually miss. You know, a player that seems to have a personal vendetta against the back, back line. His... his personal problem with David Bates and Declan Gallagher in that second half was actually almost mm. amusing to watch at times. But him along with the Motherwell boys, you know, had Calvin Ramsey wound up, Declan Gallagher wound up. Calvin Ramsey, you know, lost his head in that second half. Now, obviously I'm not going to, you know, this isn't on Calvin in particular, you know, the Motherwell boys were, you know, constantly throwing missiles and objects at Calvin Ramsey, which obviously we don't condone that sort of behaviour. But they knew what they were doing in terms of getting at the Aberdeen players, and it had that desired effect. And I just felt that there were certain players that couldn't cope with that kind of intimidating atmosphere, which mm. in itself was really concerning when you're chasing a game that was was so hugely important. Uh, and in the first half, when you, uh, you know, uh, Brune said I jinxed it because I said this would be an awful time to concede. When you have a corner and you concede continuously soft goals, 
you do not want your keeper dropping a simple catch uh, to the feet of the Motherwell player to, to slot home inside your six-yard box to put us 2-1 down mm. with virtually the last kick of the half. Certainly not. Maybe the worst thing that can happen in a football game. Um, it only occurred to me in, in, when it got to the second half when he was right in front of us, Guy Woods, how small he is. He takes up yeah. so little of the goal. It's unbelievable. Which sort of, you know, maybe explains things a little bit. But at the same time, your handling skills as a goalkeeper should be a lot better. He should be able to, you know, hold on to that. And it was just, as you said, it was the worst time to concede. One of the worst times to concede. Mm-hmm. And weird. And I think, as I personally, when that happened, it's just like, well, that's that then, really. Yeah, and if, funny, that's exactly how I felt as well, that I didn't see where this Aberdeen team, we didn't see it, you know, in recent weeks. I didn't see where that desire and fight was going to come in that second half. The reaction of the fans in the stand in that lower deck made it very clear they weren't happy as the players trudged off. And again, you know, as I said, about Calvin Ramsey maybe losing his head as a result of the way the Motherwell fans acted. I think Gary Woods lost any sort of confidence he had from the kind of treatment he maybe received from the, the fans because there was countless corners in that second half. Two in particular stand out that he just looked so nervous from. Yes, he made a couple of good saves from Kevin Van Veen. Um, I think Van Veen especially, there was a, a one chance in particular you should have definitely scored uh, with the you know, on another day that could have definitely finished four or four or five for Motherwell. Uh, Kevin O'Hara even hit the bar from distance. I, I think it mm. deflected off Bates. You know, it was straight at Woods when Woods was beating all ends up. Um, had it not been for that deflection, I don't even know if he was getting a hand to it. But it, it's simple handling from corners. He was dropping them. It was just if he was filling the fans with no confidence. I hate to think what Gallagher and Bates must have been thinking. True, which maybe explains explain some of some of their performance, but it just doesn't it doesn't fill fill you with confidence, uh, goalkeeper like that as the fans nor the defence either. Um, as, as a defender, when a sort of a ball goes in the box, you want to know that you've got confidence that your keeper could come out and clear the box for you if you mm. can't if you can't deal with it. Um, but that is just just not the case. And obviously, the reception he got probably probably didn't help, but at the same time. Can you blame anyone for wanting to voice their displeasure at these things? No, not when you not make really. the errors that you did against Celtic and then follow it up with a you know basic error as that that's cost us ultimately cost us the, the our place mm. in, in the cup because as I said, second half, you know, he does make a couple of good saves, but from an Aberdeen point of view, maybe folk are gonna disagree with this word, but I thought we were quite toothless in that second half. Far too passive, especially. Mm. Too many times the ball was getting played along the back four. <laughs> I remember in stoppage time when I think McKenzie played it to Bates, who played it to Gallagher, who played it to Ramsey, and then it went back again. And I just thought, what the fuck are we doing? And yeah, until I think Liam Kelly makes a good save in stoppage time for, for Christian Ramirez. You know, there was you know another podcast out there that was giving Ramirez a lot of slander, which I think was very uncalled for for his performance yesterday. What else do you want him to? What else do you want him to do when he's getting very little service? Uh, Bazawin again, you know, when he gets the ball at his feet, looked lively, played a part in the the opening goal, but mm. uh, again, quiet. 
out with midfield. Again, question marks, as I said, around Scott Brown, Lewis Ferguson, we're going to come on to in a second. But again, the midfield, no one's there. No one's hungry. No one's fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, just, it's just that. And I think when we don't have that fighting desire, I think that's why we're now seeing the decision around Stephen Glass, you know, that the hand's almost been forced. Probably. What I was trying to say when we had the technical issues was so many times you saw Brown taking the ball in from one side, turning across to the other, looking, dilly-dallying, and then turning up, turning back before he eventually basically plays the ball, ball back from where he came, where it came from. Mm-hmm. And there was just no no progression. The amount of times we have the ball and there's a bit of grass in front of them, for them to break into, change the picture a little bit in front of them, it just doesn't happen. No urgency at all. And... It cost us. It cost. It's cost us a lot this season. It's just very, mm. very frustrating. And I would agree with Gian Pietro Manenti's uh, comment there. Uh, give, remember the other day you said he has sort of an XG of less than a goal a game. Yeah. He he he's doing he's doing a lot for us, and we'd be well worse off if it wasn't for him and if he actually got any service. Uh, let's not forget, he doesn't take penalties either, mm. then he would he would be even further up scoring charts. Yeah, as I said, I can't remember the word that they used to describe Christian Ramirez on this other uh, Aberdeen podcast, but um, I was quite inclined to switch off after hearing the, the slander to the King of the USA. But again, um, I, I agree. I think, you know, he, You've got to look at the service he's getting. The fact that when he's, you know, given a chance, nine times out of ten he's taking them. I, th- I think their criticism was the fact that the chance he had in the second half from the corner, he wanted to take on his right foot instead of his left foot and showed what a limited striker he was. Well, fuck me, if that's a limited striker, I'd hate, you know, and this is what he's doing in this squad. I don't know what else folk want from him. Mm. You know, it, it, it beggars belief. He uh, he also did score against Celtic with his left foot and put another one in the back of the net with his left foot, which would also I would also maybe say then he should have the confidence to take it on his left foot at the same time. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's a bit of a catch twenty two, shall we say? Yeah, indeed. Um, and right, Scott Brown and Lewis Ferguson. Then, um, as we said, that kind of you know we were both impressed by by Lewis Ferguson in that game against Celtic. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, it kind of shows that that fight and desire, you know, and then that more advanced role. Scott Brown, we've seen it against Rangers. You know, he's certainly up for the battles there. He's probably been lacking that sort of performances on a more consistent basis. What, what did you make of those two? And well, I'll get your thoughts just now on the the full time reaction of both of those players as well. Okay, um, as far as Lewis Ferguson in game, I found he was often far too deep. Um, against Celtic when he got more pushed up more advanced in support of Christian Mines, he caused a lot of problems and uh, obviously went on to grab a goal as well and it was all, the reverse Ojo was pushed forward instead I just feel like there's mm-hmm. always more problems when Ferguson is the more advanced of the two. Scott Brown sort of the, at times I've been very, it, it seems like I absolutely love him, I'm like why is he even here at times but he was changed almost game to game um, because a lot of the time you know, he's been brought in for that winning mentality mm-hmm. and we are constantly suffering narrow defeats. Okay, we're not getting absolutely smashed, but you'd think players like that with that leadership, the experience they have could make a difference in these games and mm-hmm. then it doesn't seem to be working. Obviously, he then went 
uh, up the stairs, head down. I, I think that's probably better than what Ferguson did. Um, I can understand his frustrations as well. At the time, I was very angry. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he was also uh, upset at the result. But at the same time, think about it. Don't rise. That's just going to make things so much worse. It's going to incense the people who are there uh, in what's already a pretty heated moment. Um, <clears throat> I can see his frustrations, but just don't rise to it. And I was very angry at the time as well, but this is me the sensible head on now. Yeah, and you know, like obviously, there's there's folk, you know, saying, "Oh, if you're going to dish it out, you've got to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. take it back." And I, I don't think folk were, you know, angry that he was, you know, giving it back. I think it was more, you know, the fact he was telling fans to, you know, basically telling fans to fuck off. And you know, I've seen a few folks saying he was spitting in the direction of fans, but I mm-hmm. don't know if that's just, you know, just purely he was just spitting. Not, you know, I think there's not nothing really in that. But I think when there is that that hedonist, the fact he's telling fans to to fuck off. As you said, you know, the fans, these fans are forking out money week in, week out. It, it, it's not a good look for, for me. Mm. Uh, you know, people have touted Lewis Ferguson as a, as a captain before, all, you know, probably last summer, the, the stuff around him potentially leaving. And it, it just kind of leaves a bad taste. You know, for me, my anger and disappointment was more for around Stephen Glass because it was once again another kind of inept performance in the dugout. Um, mm. we were he was really slow to, to react to anything in the game again. I know he changed at half time with Hayes, but again, that was forced through a, a, a booking. And Hayes has probably been one of our better players in recent weeks. So, yeah, for me, I just felt the time was up for him. But yeah, Lewis Ferguson again, you know, Scott Brown at half time didn't look at the Aberdeen support, kept his head down and walked on, did the same at full time. Maybe Lewis Ferguson needs to learn fr- from that side as well. But you know, he's, he's certainly a passionate guy and yeah, maybe the, the passion just got, got the better of him, as, as it did a lot of the Aberdeen fans, because, you know, we care a lot about our club, but don't like to see the club in the position it's in. Um, and yeah, the, the the search for the new manager it is underway, as we mm-hmm. have been live discussing this on Sunday. As always, thank you very much to everyone that has come along to join this live. It's, I think, Calm, unsurprisingly been our most popular live so far mm-hmm. certainly um, lots of interaction um always very glad uh to hear what other people think uh we are not the pinnacle of all knowledge never wants to be claimed that's what so I'm, I'm always very happy to uh listen to other people's opinions and also it then provides us something to talk about maybe they'll mention something we've not thought about uh so certainly very very welcome yeah absolutely so just kind of recap obviously Stephen glass being sacked as Aberdeen manager after 11 months in charge with um, Henry Apelou also leaving the club as well as Alan Russell um, Neil Simpson and Barry Robson will take charge of Tuesday night's game against St Johnston uh, obviously there's been loads of comments throughout the show we will try and get this episode out on audio mm-hmm. um, Lee Seymour saying another left field suggestion Jamie Smith working in America well I brought this comment as it's just a good link for tomorrow Tomorrow, obviously, is the 14-year anniversary of the match against Bayern Munich. And we will have an interview with former Aberdeen player and goal scorer that night, Josh Walker, released tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I feel like that Chris Hughes clip and he says, do you want me to rap a little bit to lighten the mood? Do you want a former mm. player interview to lighten the mood? Uh, but, it, you know, Callum, I think you'll agree, you know, we were both a bit unsure on how the interview was going to be kind of go, but it was definitely one of the most enjoyable interviews that we've had you know a really good insight into josh's career and his time at the club 
100%, I can guarantee you it will lighten the mood a bit. So make sure, um, whether you're listening to this after an audio, follow um, wherever it is so you don't miss out. Subscribe if you're currently watching on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, we were both um, on the day of recording. I just had my booster. I was feeling under the weather. Uh, you'd had tonsillitis. You'd been basically sleeping a lot, a lot of the previous day um, as well. And we were just... A, just, we thought, oh, this this might not come across the best, but it was certainly very, very uh, interesting. Learned a lot about Josh, um, a lovely man, and some good stories in there too, uh, which we we certainly enjoyed. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Yeah. So as I said, that will be out tomorrow. We'll try and get this. I know there's a lot of you that listen via audio. We're going to try and get this out um, this evening as well for for those that that um, obviously tune in via audio today. So maybe like a double. Uh, double dosage of red tinted glasses for for you to listen to uh, on Monday Valentine's Day whilst you're maybe working away or out with the dog as, as many of you are but once again from myself and Callum we appreciate all the support that you continue to show to us and thanks for tuning in